0: Alright, with that, I want to jump back in uh, to our message. We're in part two of a two-part series that we started last week um, through uh, this, the book of Nehemiah. We're kind of looking at the book of Nehemiah and we're taking a look at this this man who impacted wonderful change, in fact one of the greatest change agents in the entire Old Testament and we're using his story in this book to ask this question it's the question I'm offering to you challenging you with I think Nehemiah sort of poses for us and here's the question what is one thing in your life right now that needs to change but it's one thing in your life right now that needs to change. And we talked last week about how most of us have about 10 things. We have 10 irons in the fire or, or at least a handful of things that we are working on or that need tweaking or adjusting or engagement. But the goal of this series, these two weeks, is to hone in on the one thing, the one thing that above all the other things in your life, God wants to change. And... That's maybe a seasonal thing. It doesn't have to be the most important thing in your life. The question isn't for the rest of your life. The question is for right now, in the season you're in right now, in in these weeks ahead, these months ahead, maybe even in this year ahead, what is the most important thing for you to sort of surrender to God, get with Him, and and implement some change on and about? So if you weren't here last week, let me give you a quick catch-up. Or if you were here and you need a review. Nehemiah lives in Susa. It's the capital of the Persian Empire, in the height of the Persian Empire. That's where he lives. And one day he gets some news from back in his homeland, some news about what's happening back in his hometown of Jerusalem. And he hears this, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. In other words, the people there are susceptible to terror and terrorism and corruption because they have no security, they have no protection. And this news, when it comes to Nehemiah, it breaks his heart. And he's deeply burdened for the situation that he learns about back home. And he has this nagging sense that something needs to change, that these walls must be rebuilt. And that's our first lesson, that sometimes our change starts with the burden that God lays on our hearts. And so then Nehemiah prays and he pours out his heart to God and he asks God to direct him and to bless his efforts and support him and the steps he's going to take. And then Nehemiah takes a risk. He's the cupbearer to the king. In other words, he has this very prestigious, comfortable, influential position in the Persian Empire, and he risks it all by asking the king if he might go back to Jerusalem and rebuild these walls. He takes a chance, he he risks his position and and his favor with the king, and the king responds and says, yes, yes, you can go, and I'll even fund the project. And so then Nehemiah makes the sacrifice, and he travels to Jerusalem through these conquered rebel territories. And then when he gets there, he assesses the situation. He travels around the city on a horse, and he, he looks at the project that's before him, and he realizes uh, things don't look too good. It's not a good situation. But then he dives in, he gathers the people, and he says, hey, here's the deal. Uh, this looks dire, this looks tough, but this problem is our problem, and this problem is my problem, and this change is ours to make together, and he fully owns it. And then, as we pick up the story today... Now, building will begin. Work will begin. The physical labor of these walls being reconstructed starts now. And that's where we begin this morning. One thing you notice um, about the book of Nehemiah and his story is that as soon as he arrives in Jerusalem, as soon as he shows up on the scene, from this point forward, the story is filled with constant opposition. You see, at this time... The regions surrounding Jerusalem were inhabited by people groups who didn't like Israel. There are all these people groups kind of living right on the edge of the city and around the city that were not fans of the Jews, that were not friendly to the Israelites. And they were, all these different people groups were controlled by various warlords. Some of you remember the movie a number of years ago, The Gangs of New York. You might have seen that show, or you've heard about that show. The Gangs of New York was a movie about New York City, specifically the Five Points region of New York City, and in the mid-19th century, the mid-1800s, that region was controlled by various groups, various g- gang groups, and there were about five main gang groups that kind of vied for power and sort of positioned themselves for privilege and authority in this 5 points region. And you remember th- from the movie, there were the Bowery Boys and the Dead Rabbits and the Pug Uglies and the Short Tails and the Slaughterhouses and the Swamp Angels. And you can tell from their names that they're all super nice guys. Um, <laughs> each one of those gangs was, was led by someone. There was a gang leader. And all these sort of of warlord figures. And that's a similar scene to what we have in Jerusalem in Nehemiah's day. All these warlords vying for position and prestige prestige and power. And um, the problem was this. Since there were no walls, since the city... The walls were torn down, these warlords could pretty much come in anytime they wanted, pillage the city, wreak havoc, and take whatever they wanted at any time. And so the people lived in constant fear. In fact, seven times in Nehemiah we find this pattern. Seven times Nehemiah's work advances, the walls are being built, he's making progress, and then you read this phrase, when they heard. When the warlords heard. Nehemiah's opponents hear that he is moving forward and they retaliate and they strike back. Friends, I don't know about you, but there is this part of me that thinks doing something good should be easy. And maybe you don't think that explicitly, but if you start to do something good and then you encounter resistance and then you feel like Like, that shouldn't happen. That's because there's this deeply held belief in you that when you do something good, something positive, it should be relatively easy. Maybe a little bit of a struggle, um, but not much. Especially if it's something for God. Especially if it's something for others. It should come without too much struggle. But Nehemiah does not buy into this lie. Nehemiah knows that it's a lie. This is not true, because here's the truth. When something needs to change... Expect opposition. When something needs to change, you should expect opposition. And you know this to be true. This is not a new concept. You know this to be true because... I'll just give you a generic example. Try to start eating healthy. Let's just... Now some of you do this already, but a lot of us in here, you know... Depends what season it is. We're moving into fall, the season of grace... You know, the season of sweaters and, like, baggy clothes. It's going to be an awesome thing. But you move it. You you say, I'm going to start eating healthy. Now, is that just sort of... I I just woke up and found myself in the gym every day. I don't know, man. Suddenly, there's just broccoli and, like, grilled chicken on my plate at night. And I'm not even tempted to eat sweets or ice cream anymore. No. Anytime you try to make... You make a decision to do something good in any sphere... There is always going to be resistance. And Nehemiah knows this and he expects this. Some of you need to make a change. Something in you personally need to change. Something in your life needs to change. Something in the world around you needs to change. And if you walk down that road, at some point, I promise you this, you will crash headlong into opposition. And I'll just say this, of course you will. Because it is a fallen, broken world. And it's a spiritual battle. And there are forces in this world that do not want good things to happen. Certainly not good things in you. Certainly not good things for the kingdom of God. And so every time, there will at some point be pushback. And Nehemiah prepares for this. And this leads straight into the next lesson we learn from him. It's in chapter 3. An entire chapter of this book is all about the people Nehemiah recruits to help him with this change. And if you study this chapter, if you get into it, you'll find that Nehemiah is very strategic in finding the people that he needs to help him be successful. He recruits family leaders and civic leaders and spiritual leaders. He gets people whose homes lie right on the edge of the city and who are most susceptible to invasion with the wall down. In other words, he recruits people who are highly motivated to get this wall built. Because Nehemiah knows this, I can't do it alone. Nehemiah knows when something needs to change, we need the right people helping us. I don't know what the one thing you really need to address or act on in your life is right now. I don't know what your change is, but I promise you this, you need help with it. You need help. Do you understand the power and amount of courage we gain from community, from letting people in to our world? Just this week I was faced with a decision. Uh, just a little decision it was a small decision some ways it was fairly insignificant but I knew I needed to make this call step into this thing Um, it was not a major thing it was somewhat of a small thing I had clarity on the thing I had the authority and the power to make the change and make the call and yet inside of me there was a little bit of hesitation and a friend of mine sent me a note and said you need to do it you can do it lead strong, be bold, make the call, you know, we need you here. And just enough encouragement to kind of kick me over the edge to move ahead with something that I I knew that I was called to do. There is so much power in community, friends. Again, I don't know what your thing is, but you need help. You need help. You need to let people in. I sat this week with two guys from our church and it was a breakfast meeting. We were drinking coffee and one of the guys said, all right, What's your one thing? And it came to me, and can I be honest? I knew what my one thing was, but I hadn't fully decided on it yet. I did that deal where I was like, I think this is my thing, but there's another sermon this week, and maybe I'll just let it marinate before I fully commit. And and I kind of got put on the spot, and so I coughed it up. And I was like, why was I so hesitant to cough it up? I mean, the two guys I was with are really safe guys. I love them. I trust them with my stuff. Um, But here's why. I knew as soon as I said it, as soon as I put it on the table for them, now I'm accountable. Now, if I fail or don't follow through, someone's going to know. And guess what, friends? That's a real good thing. Because we all need accountability. We all need encouragement. We all need help when it comes to the things that God wants to change in our lives. The question is this. Who are the people you need to intentionally ask to help you make this change? And do you have the courage to ask them? Who are the people and do you have the courage to ask them? Nehemiah does. And he and the people experience some great forward momentum. The wall is going up. But then, again, we get to chapter 4 and we read this. When Sandballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Now, Sandballat is a, one of the warlords. It's, I think it was a tough guy name back in you know, like the first century or, you know, I guess, five centuries BC. So um, now it sounds kind of weird. When Sandballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Friends, this is like ancient Near Eastern trash talk. Um, But in spite of the trash talk, things keep moving forward. And in verse 6, we're told that significant progress is still being made. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. So things are moving forward, things are advancing. They can see the progress before their eyes. But the threats and ridicule and resistance keeps coming and the people start to get discouraged. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. They're over halfway home and the outside opposition shifts to inside discouragement and doubt. Friends, this will often happen. If you allow God to move you out on a change, a change that he is calling you to make, at some point there will be this little voice in your mind that says, this is silly. It's impossible. It's not working. You can't do it. It doesn't matter. It's just not worth it. When something needs to change, there will be moments when you are tempted to quit. It is never hard to find a rationale for following the path of least resistance. There will always be voices pushing you in that, sending you down that direction. There will always be temptations to go that way. Why? Because it's easy. But Nehemiah, he refuses to do that and he keeps the people going. He encourages them and he refocuses their efforts and he continues to ward off the attacks. And then finally, we hit chapter 6, and I believe what we find here is maybe the most important point for us as we seek to tackle and dive into the one thing that God has for us. The wall is now almost complete. In fact... The wall itself is complete. The only thing left to build, the only piece missing is the gates. The walls are completely up, the gates are not yet in place. And now the opposition is going to make one final attempt to thwart Nehemiah's effort. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Friends, if you're trying to do something with God, there will be forces that just simply try to distract you. There will be forces that, if they can't discourage you, if they can't halt you, if they can't stop you, they will just try to pull your focus away from what God wants you to do and who he wants you to be. With Nehemiah, it's, it's people who just ask him to come and meet with them. Hey, you know, you're almost done. Why don't you just come meet with us? I know we've not been for this project. Just come down. Come meet with us. Let's talk it out. Let's consider some of the policies and procedures that we need to put in place now that the wall is up. Just come meet with us and listen to what Nehemiah says. Listen to how he responds to this request. I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. You might want to write those words down, friends. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. They're just amazing words of focus. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Come on, Nehemiah, just come meet with us. Just come and be a part of this other thing. What does Nehemiah say? In a word, Nehemiah's response is, No. 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 And that's the word I want to talk about with you this morning. It's maybe the most important word for you to accomplish the one thing that God wants you to accomplish in your life right now. Friends, when something needs to change, we must learn to say no to distractions. This is so important for us, friends, for two reasons. First of all, we live in a world that loves to say yes. Positive, thumbs up, smiley face. I like that. I'm all in. No is not a popular word. Second of all, friends, we live in a world that offers you thousands and thousands of distractions in your life all the time. There are more things to say yes to in our world today than there ever were in Nehemiah's day. There are more distractions thrown at you than there ever were at him. No is an essential word if you want to accomplish the one thing, most important, the one thing that God wants you to accomplish. Friends, what in your life do you need to say no to so that you have time and energy and space and strength and stamina to say yes to the one thing that matters most, I'll just tell you this: For many in this room, this is why this is hard. For many in this room, one thing for your one thing to uh, to succeed, you'll have to say no not just to bad things, but to good things. In fact, some of the most important no's you'll say will be to really good things, to really good people, to really great opportunities. But opportunities that will distract you from the thing that matters most. You see, maybe your no will have to be to some people that you love and care about but you just can't say yes to them not no forever but no for this season maybe you have to say no to some requests at work maybe you have to say no to some scheduling conflicts maybe you have to say no to some relationships maybe you have to say no to sleeping in maybe you just need to declare right now for this season for me to to step in with God and accomplish this one thing I declare no to the snooze button Because the snooze button might be robbing you of the crucial time and minutes that you need. And it's so good, isn't it? It's there every morning beckoning you. Just push me. Just lean over and tap me. Nine more beautiful minutes of bliss. Some of you just need to say no. Others of you, you need to say no to Netflix. You need to say no to... Just wasted hours that are going to distract you from hours that you could spend on the thing that God is calling you to here and now for this season. Friends, one of the most important words for you and your one thing is not just yes, 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 I'll do it, but no, 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 I won't to the things that will take you away. In these verses, Nehemiah teaches us that in the face of discouragement, in the face of adversity, in the face of doubt and fear and distraction, he will say no to anything that keeps him from accomplishing that which God has called him to change. I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. I am carrying on, you should just say this with me, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Four times they ask him, four times they plead with him, four times they try and shame him into coming down and meeting, and four times he says, no, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Nothing is going to coax, scare, tempt, entice, pressure, prod, or persuade Nehemiah from coming down off his wall. Friends, there is something in your life. There is a wall in your world. And you need to climb up on that wall and say with Nehemiah, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Maybe your wall is a habit you need to break. Maybe you drink too much. A friend of mine says, here's how you can tell if you drink too much someone has said to you, I think you drink too much. (laughs) Don't let alcohol ruin your life. Get on that wall and fight that fight. Maybe it's your health. Maybe you are ignoring taking care of your body. A temple of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've got a condition that you'd rather just pretend you don't have. Maybe it's weight. Maybe it's diet. Maybe it's exercise. I don't know. Get on your wall. Get some people up there with you and say, I am not coming down. Maybe there's an internet addiction. Quit hiding. You are not alone. Take the risk. Make the sacrifice. Seek help. We have right here in our church a new program. Pastor Ron just started. It's called, it's called 423. And it's to help people with sexual addiction. To help you break free from that. It is a safe place. You are not alone. Other people struggle. You can be a part of it. Just step in. Talk to Pastor Ron or if that even feels too intimidating to you, um, there are cards in the men's restroom, 423, with contact info, email and phone. Make the call, send the email. We'd love to get a, a group started for women because we understand women, this is not just a male issue. If you're interested in that, talk to Pastor Ron. Again, you need help. You can't do it alone. Quit lying to yourself about it. Let this be the day that the lies end. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe there's one you need to end. Maybe that's your wall. Maybe you are living with someone and you've known for a while now that this is not what God wants for me. Your wall is maybe just to move out. Maybe there's a relationship you don't need to end but you need to mend and it's going to take boldness and it's going to take courage and it's going to take tremendous amounts of humility and perseverance to get through all the stuff from the past and God says climb up on that wall camp out and let's get busy together. Maybe it's a time issue. Dads if you've got little kids look into their eyes because when you get home from church today you need to remind yourself there are a lot of things for you to be involved in. There are a lot of things to say yes to in this world. You can say yes to more trips and more money and moving up in your company and time on the golf course or on the couch watching television. But ask yourself what, yourself what matters most at this stage of the game because they won't be that age forever. I'm carrying on a great project. The project of building young people. And I cannot come down, not for anyone or anything... Maybe it's your marriage. Don't spend another year pretending. Please. Don't just tread water for the kids. Stop pointing fingers and holding grudges and placing blame and own the problem. Get some help and get on that wall. But Pastor Dave, you don't understand. Yes, I do. I understand. I'm married too. And believe me, Amy, she has a lot to put up with. You thought that was going a different direction, didn't you? I'm not that stupid. Tell some friends. Here's two words for you. Two words. We're struggling. We're struggling. Guess what? You're not the only ones. You're not the only ones. People will understand. They will relate. They will have compassion. They want to help you. Ask some folks to dinner and just say... Can you help us? Can you listen? Can you give us some advice? Can you offer encouragement? Can you walk this road with us? We're struggling. Go to counseling. But Pastor Dave, counseling doesn't work. Yes, it does. It didn't work for you. You didn't receive it. You weren't ready for it. Maybe you didn't have the right counselor. But get in the game again. Find another counselor. Open your heart. Go in with the right post- posture. Counseling works. I've seen it work. I've watched it work. I've experienced it work in my life, and I've offered it to others. You can change. Things can be different. Maybe it's debt. I know you didn't want to be in this place. I know no one ever sets out and thinks, you know, I I want to be in tons and tons of debt. I know you wish it was different. I know there are all kinds of reasons that you're here, and I'm not judging you. I'm simply reminding you that God's word says this the borrower is slave to the lender. And he doesn't want this for you. He does not want this noose around your neck. Don't ignore it and hope it goes away because it doesn't. It just gets worse. Get on that wall. Maybe your wall is a real subtle thing. Maybe it's a perspective or an attitude that you're holding on to that you just need to let go of or intentionally change. You know, last Sunday, one of my kids, I won't say which one, came to me afterwards, after the sermon and said, Dad, my one thing kids are in here for this month which is kind of cool my dad my one thing i'm gonna have a different attitude towards one of my siblings i'm just changing my attitude i I feel like god said I, i just like sermon victory right there i don't know if anybody else got anything out of that deal but we won today lord thank you lord because god was talking to the heart of one of my kids and he claimed his thing you know maybe your wall isn't something you need to stop maybe it's something you need to start maybe it's something god is calling you into Maybe he's calling you into some regular and consistent time with him. Isn't it time to get on the wall and get that crucial piece of spiritual growth going in your life? Aren't you tired of just playing church or kind of being a Christian at arm's length? Maybe your wall is a calling that God has placed on your heart. Maybe it's a business or a charity or a ministry or an opportunity. Maybe he's been nudging you towards engaging someone or something in this world. And you've been thinking about it, and you've been thinking about it, and you've been thinking about it, and you've been praying about it. And God said, I'm tired of praying about it. Let's get moving on it. Get on the wall. If God has put it on your heart to launch something, climb that ladder, get on that wall, and say no to anything that will pull you off. Because you see, here's the deal. The best part of the story of Nehemiah is the conclusion. and God wants the same conclusion for you, He so desperately doesn't want you to miss this. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Ul in 52 days. They complete the wall in 52 days days this was an enormous project friends how many cases have you heard about where a construction project gets completed before the deadline and under budget this is a miracle and it was a government project and we're told that the people upon completion flood back into the city and then Ezra the priest stands before them and it says in Nehemiah 8 3 that he opens the scriptures for them from daybreak till noon don't you just love that Just celebrating by hearing from God's word. You know, people wonder sometimes, how long does the Bible say a sermon should be? He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. Six hours. That's the biblical answer. Amen, Pastor Matt? (sighs) Don't you just love, friends, the joy they feel? Listen to this in Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah said... Go, this is it, This is the conclusion, this is, the walls are built, we are in here, we have heard from the Lord, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many have heard those words before? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. We use those words all the time. Do you know the context in which those words are spoken? They're spoken on the heels of a victory when a man took on one thing that God was calling him to take on. He saw it through to the end, and then he experienced the joy of letting the strength of the Lord lead him and some people into a place that God wanted them to be. And he says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is joy that doesn't just come from human effort. This isn't just joy from earthly living. This is joy when you experience what it's like to do something in partnership with God when something needs to change and with God's help we change it there is great joy great joy friends at the end of that change at the end of that challenge at the end of that wall that lies ahead of you There is a deep, sweet, satisfying, peace-filled joy that you will never experience if you do not climb up on that wall and partner with God to make the change that you know He wants you to make. So I ask you again, what is the one thing in this season of your life that God is calling you to change? One thing. That's the question I want you to bring to the table today. The question I want you to bring to the Lord who loves you so much that he gave his son to die on a cross and then raise to new life so that you could live in eternity with him forever. This is the God who loves you more than you can possibly fathom and you can bring that one thing to him and say, God, here it is. Help me discern it. Help me decipher it help me take some next steps on it show me the people that I need to include in it help me to see ahead and look at the resistance that's coming because of it show me the places where I'm going to have to say no Notice some really good things some great opportunities even so that I can accomplish this thing that you want me to accomplish bring your thing to the foot of the cross to the throne of the almighty God and there's going to be people up here available to pray for you on both sides you know, maybe this morning is just a chance to just invite some people in. Just say, pray for me. I'm still unclear. Maybe, you know, I talked to a person this morning, a good friend of mine before the first service, and she said, as soon as you said that first sentence, I knew exactly what my one thing was, and I've been carrying it for 40 years. 40 years. Don't carry it alone. Come ask some folks to pray for you and come to the table. But before we do, I just want to say one thing. Maybe there's a group of you in the room this morning, and your one thing is this. You've never made peace with the God of heaven. You've never accepted the free gift of love that God offers you through his son and his death and resurrection on the Christ. Maybe you're still trying so hard to be a good person or to earn your way into heaven or to show God that you're worthy of his love. And here's the truth, friends. Here's the good news. Here's the gospel. The great news is this. You don't have to. You don't have to. He loves you anyway. He died for you anyway. The gift of relationship with God comes free, free to you because of what Jesus did on the cross. And maybe your one thing today is just to step into that, to finally cross the line of faith and say, I received the free gift of God's love offered to me through Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. Maybe that's the most important thing for you. You can do it today. Today, you can invite Jesus into your life. Today, you can have... Hope and peace and freedom today you can have eternity today there's something so amazing available to you and it's just it's just one step away and again there'll be many steps after that but God says you don't have to earn it you just need to receive it and you can receive it here right this morning at this table by taking the body of Christ represented by the bread by taking the blood of Christ represented by the cup and saying Yes, Lord, I believe it. I receive it. Your death and resurrection was for me. If you want to take that step today, just come and receive this meal and tell God that you finally received the love he's offered you. And then tell somebody, pray with somebody, say, I gave my life to Jesus today because we want to celebrate with you. Whatever your one thing is, bring it to the table this morning. Take the elements. Go back to your seat. And we're going to give you just a little time to think. And then when you're ready, you just receive those elements by way of saying, God, you're with me. I'm not in this alone. Your strength, your power, they're available to me. And I receive them and I need them and I want them and I long for them. So take the time you need today. And then when you're ready, come to the table. Take the elements again. Receive them on your own. If you want prayer, there'll be folks up front. Let me pray and then we'll just move into a time of sharing the Lord's Supper together. Father, right now, I pray for anyone in this room who doesn't know you, who hasn't received that gift. God, if they hear you talking to them right now, I just pray you give them the courage, uh, the faith. Just nudge them, help them make that decision, Lord. Help them not to delay one more day. Help them to step into the most beautiful thing, the most wonderful thing, and that's knowing that you love them, walking in your love and grace every single day, not having to live life on their own. And then, Lord, I pray for all the other things that are out there. There's some things floating around in this room. And I know there's this temptation to just make this a sermon and back off of it, but Holy Spirit, I ask that you will not let that happen, that you would convict and challenge and even plague people this week with that thing. Don't let them settle for a secondary thing if there's something greater. God, we We need you. We love you. We open our hearts to you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our friend and our king and our savior and our Lord. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.